I mean, yeah, but the whole point of a podcast is to not edit anything. So, and I saw how much you enjoyed editing out here this afternoon. No, see, that's videos. Uh, podcasts, I pretty much don't edit them. So if you say something stupid, we're live, right? We're recording right now. But if you say something silly, I'm probably just going to leave it in. So don't uh, implicate yourself, um, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, cheers. All right, guys. Um, I guess I should do my little intro. So, uh, in case you guys are new to the podcast, my name's Mark, and uh, this is the Swamp and Stomp Hunting Podcast, and uh, you can also check us out on YouTube, it's just Swamp and Stomp. Um, This podcast is brought to you by Larceny Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, small batch. Wouldn't that be cool if we were, like, sponsored? Um, I'd like to also say thanks to Jamie Carlson's small batch who bitters jamie carlson oh yeah that's right yeah so we just we just made uh some pretty awesome uh old fashions that we just kind of like made out of nothing out of thin air it was like let's just see what we got we've got bourbon soaked cherries that came out of nowhere i think that's um uh where who made those again? Uh, we did a dinner here on Thursday night, kind of celebrate the end of processing season. Uh, with with who was it with? Uh, a good friend of mine, <laughs> Nick Minkin, who just got married. So like, to say yeah. congratulations and congrats, Nick, and we thanks ate for all the, the good cherries. food and. Uh, did uh, so we just got back from the uh, Florida Panther National Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, I actually I want to dig into that. I want to hear a little bit about what you guys did down there, but um, maybe before we dive right into that, maybe a little introduction is in order because I think our followers probably don't know who Adam Steele is. So who is Adam? Steele? I'll I'll tell. I'll, I'll tell a little bit, and then and then you can just, like, go off on a tangent if you want. So uh, so me and Adam got to know each other through Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, for those of you guys who are not aware, I serve on the board, and so does Adam. And uh, we just sort of became friends over time, and, and he's kind of known in the hunting community as uh, a meat processor, but really just kind of goes beyond just processing wild game meat there's magical things that he can do with your game meat um and so at, at some point during this podcast i kind of want to dive a little bit into like curing meat because i know that's like one of your passions um and we just we just ate a little snack um which what was it it was the it was the chicken oyster <laughs> like yeah, so, some bacon. Uh, the, the, the oyster the bird is a little piece kind of behind the Die where the femur attaches down towards that pope's nose. It's a nice, juicy little. It looks exactly like an oyster, about the size of a half dollar. Um, one of the most overlooked, juiciest. Like you said, when you get a rotisserie chicken, that's the one you pop out. Oh yeah. And you can literally take a finger and scoop it right out. It's so tender, and yeah, it's like most people just throw the the bottom side of the the carcass yeah, in the if trash you buy a, if you buy a whole chicken generally when i see people process them they 
they miss cutting that little piece off or they just kind of add it in with everything else, throw it in the stock. But uh, it is a, it's it's a very a, special little... It's like, I, I, I consider it to be the chicken version of like grouper cheeks. Exactly. You know, a lot of people don't mess with grouper cheeks, yeah. but man, those are delicious. If so. you know where they are, how to extract them, how to cook them quickly. Same thing goes for wild turkey, I'd imagine, right? They got Absolutely. the oyster they got in there. A, so. a much larger. Well, hopefully next oyster. weekend I'll uh, get to pull some oysters out of a live turkey. Um, anyway, so t- tell us real quick about your business. Give it, give it a quick plug. I know you're always saying you don't want more business because you're no, too busy. Well, but... Yeah, we're um, we're very busy. Appreciate ever all the the solid work. So we process everything from snipe up to bison. Um, kind of do general basic processing, um, some specialty stuff. We'll get into the curing later, I think. Uh, general overall, uh, is, is we can disassemble and reassemble animals in multiple different ways. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's hard for me to come bring you game because I live down in, you know, Palm Beach County and you're up here in Sanford. You also pretty much have a almost a rental spot up here. Oh, I know. As much as you hunt up here. I mean, it's it's become, uh, I think that's just been this season, you know, like we've just become buddies and stuff. So uh, what he's referring to is I've been crashing at his place, which is really convenient because after I kill something, I just roll in, hang it up in the um, in the fridge and take a nap. But um, what he's trying to say is the hunting here in Central Florida. It's is terrible. terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, you Horrible. guys don't want to come up here. Um, you know, stay down south or in the Panhandle. I mean, the Panhandle is pretty good too. I really enjoy hunting there. But um, but anyway, so I always wanted to bring you a deer because like I'd seen pictures on Facebook of all the stuff that you make, and now that I've done it, like I mean, the, those snack sticks are in, insane, um, and just. The, the pastrami you made me so i guess i'm not gonna harp on and on about it but if you guys are in central florida if you're hunting in central florida or live in central florida and you need some game processed steals quality game processing is that the full name uh, well we haven't really settled on a name yet we're trying to uh, well there's hats that say that there's on hats them. that say that on them <laughs> there's stickers that say that um, um there's a, how do people get a hold of you because you want people to call ahead right yeah absolutely call ahead uh what's the you want to throw the number out no i don't want to throw the number out there but anybody who knows it knows it (laughs) and we're busy enough right now i i I need to keep uh some some good reliable help i had the best help i've had so i'm gonna solid side man this year so i'm gonna i'm gonna piss him off a little bit right now because you guys can just go watch a number of our videos uh and the number is posted in there so i don't know it off the top of my head but you guys you guys can go watch it's a different number there's a there's a real nice uh a big buck i shot with my bow you guys won't miss it go to the channel you'll find it and it's in there if you had a video we could do the un- unpackaging of the brazola from that buck that i just That's, cured yeah sitting so here on the table you made me brazola what is brazola uh brazola is uh is basically a cured loin um like the tenderloins like the inner loins the back strap so the okay. loin there's a loin 
and the tenderloin are two different muscle groups. Uh, people get them confused all the, all the time. I think a lot of people forget to even get the inner loins, the tenderloins, Correct. which is a tragedy. It, it definitely is. And that's where your T-bones and your porterhouses come from. So those could definitely be, I think you had some T-bones and porterhouses that we oh, got yeah. and aged. My God, those things are delicious. I still have some left. I'll be honest, uh, you know, and, and you know, like, I don't even know what you call them, where you had the, like, the back strap with the the ribs, like, still attached, and it was like a big slab. Uh, French loin. Yeah, like, I didn't, I don't really have an oven, because I live in, like, a tiny little efficiency, so I was like, I don't even know what to do with this, so I ended up just slicing it into little steaks, and, I mean, yeah. still just yeah. so good. It's, uh, there's a lot more, and, and a lot of what we do, you asked what we do here, is we try to highlight things that you you can do we all know how hard you work to shoot that deer or get out there and hunt it takes a lot you know you pay th- this much for a gun this much for a lease or you spend this many hours scouting and then you just want it all ground up it's kind of not what we want to do here we want to we want to say there's more that you can do with your game and it, it will it will it will match the work that you put into it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I you know I, I grind up a lot of the meat that I get just because it's it's easy to work with like it's easy yeah, to cook abs- with. Absolutely. There's a tons of e- tons of easy recipes. But um, that said, I mean, there's lots of meat that's well suited to be ground up, and then there's meat that's really good. You know, and I mean, I'd never had aged venison steaks until you made them for me, and. I don't, I don't think most people really have the ability to well, do that. It, you know, That's like, what I was about to say. When you shoot you almost your limit a good bucks a year, you have you have room to experiment it was a, a good. Bit. It was a good year for me. This is not yeah, normal. You have room to experiment a little bit Yeah. with game. And that's, you know, over the years that I've had, I've experimented. And I know <clears throat> the recipes that work that other people like, and it's been it's you know we can do it efficiently yeah uh, well so like treat them individually you asked today you really yeah you really keep everybody's deer separate separate i was like i absolutely do yeah until i tell them at the end of the year i'm like hey this is me and all all my people's deer that we it's all our grind i'm gonna make something super special and that's the only time they ever get yeah mixed so. But yeah, and you you told me that too. You had some leftover pieces from my bucks, and you were like, "I'm gonna make some like heroes and like whatever." Yep. And yeah, I'm excited to try it. But so just real quick, so people can bring their deer to you, and you can age the meat. Not always. Sometimes, but I, so I'm just curious, like, what really goes into aging? It's like, let's say somebody who isn't able to come here and bring their deer to you, they want to try it themselves. Like, what what does it entail? Like, because well, it's basically, like, the way I think of it, it's like controlled rotting. It, well, it's controlled decomposition. Yeah. De- controlled rotting, absolutely. So you need to have a controlled environment, temperature and humidity. And when I first moved to Florida, coming from Colorado, we used to be able to hang an elk and deer just 
up in the barn or, or in the garage and it was the right temperature and humidity we could slowly work on taking the cuts off when i came here the first year i killed uh i got a chest freezer and there's several companies now that make um units that will control the temperature so inkbird johnson controls you can set a freezer to run above freezing temperature um, which will allow you and they generally keep a relative humidity that is needs, needs to be monitored but it's it's going to be there to, so you won't dry out the outside so the the humidity you're talking about is that because I, I imagine you're like promoting bacterial growth but like good bacteria i guess or well, something like that the, the thing the initially the high humidity is to keep the pellicle the outside rind mm -hmm. from getting hard um so you want that and definitely bacterial growth so water you want to keep moisture away yeah but high humidity and you want airflow in there so you're gonna open that cooler every day and let it drain so it, it's one of those things like throwing your your quarters of deer in ice versus in a cooler with ice on top of that ice on um, top of that meat yeah well no uh the meat on top of the ice yeah okay okay I agree. So, right so you get the airflow from opening and closing the cooler it's the same kind of thing chest freezers they're not that much the johnson control inkford units are it's less than you're going to spend on a lot of other things and you're gonna and I, I tell all these people it's like you want to be able to hunt more and you have a family that eats wild game trust me take these steps and they will say you want that new gun you want that new camel you want to spend more money on hunting and and they've all come back and said you're right yeah just take those little steps it's going to taste better and now it looks like something you get in a grocery store or you get in a fine dining restaurant so like but in order to do that you basically have to have a a chest freezer or a fridge or something set aside for aging because you, if you have it full of frozen meat then you, really, you can't you, really you like you can do it in a cooler but there there are plenty of and again, if you're going to spend money on... Or a fridge. On, a fridge would be great too, right? Right. Absolutely. If your wife will allow it. As long as, long as you can monitor the temperature and the humidity, which is a small investment. So what like what temperature and humidity are we looking for? Uh, so you want to start out at a low temperature with a high humidity. Like what's high? I don't... Like... Uh, 85% okay. humidity is generally and, the accepted... And like temperature... Uh, you want to be definitely below 42, um, but the colder you can get, I generally go 34 degrees. So just right above freezing. Yeah, right above freezing. So meat okay. freezes at 27 degrees Fahrenheit, oh. I believe. Snooze so it's a lower freezing point than water. Mm -hmm. And part of the age. Do you know why that is? Uh, like we can get sciencey if you want. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. It's, it's because, you know, you know we hear like 70% of our body is like water, right? But uh, there's a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of uh, things dissolved in that water. So it's not just pure water. And so when you, uh, when you add solutes to water, it 
drops the um, the freezing point. Like salt. Exactly, like salt. And like Which we, our we bodies have, are made. We have up lots of. of we have lots of salt and right. stuff. So like all all those uh, um, electrolytes in that water. That's why it, you got to get colder to freeze meat. And and, and I'm going to be honest. I just kind of made that up. Like, but well, I'm pretty. You know I'm pretty sure that's what it is. In the kitchen is right. What? Salt. Absolutely, the most powerful and oh, most yeah. important ingredient. It's the one thing that humans and all people, animals need to survive. The one thing we can't make. And wars have been fought over it. Conquests. Salt is a very important part of human history, which leads I'm, us into the curing aspect of. It's kind of. It, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. I'm a biologist, and it never even occurred to me that like salt is the the one thing that we need that we can't make yeah can't make salt but we like that's crazy yeah everything else like anything we eat we can turn it into what we need it to be but we can't make salt that's pretty pretty insightful man um i feel like there was there was a tangent that i wanted to go down oh yeah so so a while back i don't know if you remember this i shot a deer um I can't even remember which deer it is now. <laughs> um, there's a video on this. And this guy shoots so many deer, he can't even remember. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, no, I do remember which one it was. It was a deer that I shot out of um, Danny's stand. And if you look, the, you can look all this detail up. The video is called like two does in one day. Um, cause Danny had shot a doe and then I shot another doe like the same out of the same stand in the afternoon. But anyway, that was the one I, I thought I hit it in the guts. I didn't find it till the next day, like 11 o'clock. And I was calling you, I was like, is this meat still going to be okay? You know? And you, and you told, you taught me so much about that because a lot of people, I think if they shot a deer at five o'clock in the afternoon, this is like September, you know, hot times. Um, and they didn't find it till 11 o'clock. A lot of people wouldn't even bother harvesting that meat. And you taught me, um, you know, I think it was like vinegar and water to like kill off any bacteria that's on the outside and then like immediately wipe it down um, and then put it in a cooler on top of the ice so that it's dry and keep the air circulating. And I literally took a fan and put it inside of the cooler so that it would keep that air circulating. And I had a little temperature, like a thermometer in there to check the temperature. And and what I, what I didn't tell you, actually, I don't know if I did tell you, but what I did is I did half of the meat with that um, vinegar solution to kill the bacteria. And then I did the other half without it because I wanted to see if you really needed it or whether just getting the meat dried out and getting that pellicle created was gonna be enough. And it turns out that you really don't even have to do the vinegar thing because none of the meat got stinky after leaving it in there for like over a week. So, um, yeah, and, and a lot of questions pop up, and and this, how much time, how much time, and my all answer is always more time than you think. And that's exactly what you told me too. Like, you have and more it's more time than you think to deal with it, and like the. the test you did we've done a couple here and it's it really does depend on what kind of bacteria is introduced and the conditions it thrives in so we've we've noticed some interesting things like like we were well, yeah, talking I mean, about deer, with this... deer that were run by dogs and 
and things that can happen if they're injured and they're run by dogs after that. Um, so there's a lot of th- a lot of things that affect the way it tastes. Affect and the way it tastes. Yeah. Um, so, well, I, I think I think what was an important take home here for the listeners is like one, you have way more time than you think, but but I think one of the things people like always struggle with is like, well, how much time? And and what you told me to do, which I think is really important, is you were like, get the meat off of the carcass because the carcass is going to smell bad no matter what because I hit it in the guts. You know, the guts are going to smell bad. So get the meat off the carcass, rinse it down so that you've got any of that smell. Remove the meat from the carcass so that you're no longer smelling the carcass. And then let it rest for a few days. Let it dry out in the cooler. And if it's if it's bad, it's only going to get worse, you know? And so by leaving it in the cooler for several days, um, you know, dry and cold, it's, it's a great test. You know, you know, you'll know if that meat's gone bad because it'll smell terrible. And so I, I basically, I advise everybody try that. If you, if you think the meat's questionable, do that, do your due diligence because it, and it might just be me, but I feel like this is, um, you took an animal's life, you know, like it matters. Um, and it, we owe it to that animal to do our very best to harvest every bit of that meat that we can. Um, and I think that, you know, putting it in a cooler and waiting is the least that we could do. Adding to that, it's, it's generally the, the liquid that is coming out of that meat that is what's going to smell and what's going to turn you off. In my experience with thousands of animals, it's not the protein, it's what's coming out of it. And the protein is just fine, and, and your nose is going to turn you off. It's a natural instinct that humans have. Um, it's, it's what has kept us alive. Right. So when you take that meat off of what's bad, like like you said, Mark, once you give it a couple of days, you're going you're gonna to smell it and be like, oh, it just smells like meat. Yeah. And if it smells bad, it throw smells it away bad. then. You know, your nose knows. Yeah. But you have to get it away from that, the carcass. You have to get away from the liquid yeah. that's in, involved in that carcass. And e- even let it sit for a couple of days and don't throw it in buttermilk or Coca-Cola or WD-40 like the granddaddy said. Or Wait, vinegar. WD-40? Yeah, that's what somebody's granddaddy said. I don't know. What? It's just one of those it sounds myths. like a great way to die what are those myths that you know that go around people say throw it in a liquid don't throw it in a also, liquid also wd-40 Let is the expensive liquid come out and it's not blood blood coagulates yeah so it's it's a liquid that's coming out of that meat and it's what's going to give what's it called again heme, heme, uh, heme well it's a heme yeah. myoglobin right right so myoglobin is a heme yeah and, and it comes out in water so the water is it's colored yeah yeah, it's the same thing when you cut into a relatively rare steak, right? Yeah. Like, that's the same thing. It's blood not blood. coagulates. It's not blood, yeah. Right. We've all um, seen it. Sure. Yeah. So, um, before we get off on another tangent here. So, okay, so you, you get the meat cold. Um, you get it high humidity, but not sitting in High liquid. humidity with airflow. But so the outside isn't liquid. getting hard. Yeah. But not sitting in liquid. But not sitting in liquid. 
how long under given circumstances like is it safe to let that sit three like, three plus weeks i mean as long as so those stakes you did for me how and, long and, did they I'm, sit i'm not the usda yeah i am not any government and agency i'm not a chemist i have studied chemistry in college aren't I've you also like usda science. exempt or something uh that's a different story um so we are retail exempt and custom exempt for right. usda did pay us a visit and try to get us fully inspected which we're not we can't do that here um but yeah because you guys just do wild game right or because you provide well, we, a service and you're not because we don't have the space or room or right. i can't do that out of my backyard i, I just can't it's yeah I need some form of sanity. Yeah. So. So, okay. So what's an amount of time you would say people listening to this could safely try? For on ice? Yeah. If they put it on ice. Because I think most people that are going to try this are going to do it on ice. If they're going to process it at home, two weeks easy. Two weeks? Just keep the ice changed out. Open the the plug in your cooler. And. And keep the meat on top of the ice. On top of the ice. With Not a, in a plastic bag, in a breathable. They make mesh game sacks. Yeah, and that's if you really want to do that. The most important things are rigor mortis. You don't want to cut the animal during rigor. So you want them to become limp. You want them to either be before or after. Right. And your risk before is. It's what's called cold shortening. So if the muscles are about to contract and you throw them on ice, they're going to contract on that ice and you'll never be able to relax them. So that's called cold shortening. Okay. There's tons of scientific data on that. Look it up. And I've seen it. It's maybe three or four times out of 100 deer we see. So so how long should – how long after you uh, kill it, does rigor mortis go away again it depends on the circumstances ballpark 24 to 36 hours so you're saying for deer don't quote me on that but so you're saying people should keep their deer whole for a whole day if you debone it not debone it but just cut it yeah into the quarters yeah keep it on the bone keep those tendons attached oh you're saying like you don't want to freeze it you don't want to freeze it while it's off of a tendon Right. So if it's about to go into rigor or it's in rigor and you cut it off a tendon and you chill it immediately, it's going to, while it's contracted and you chill it, it's never going to be able to. Yeah. So when you say chill it, you mean put it on ice, like in, on a, ice. in a cooler. Yeah. So there's, it's, that's a rare occurrence. But So I, how do you yeah. deal with that in Florida though? Uh, you have, again, you have more time than you think. There are native people that lived here for how many years without refrigeration and ice? Yeah. I don't know how well they ate, but they survived. They seemed to do all right. I'm going to ask a stupid question. So, like, because I, I feel like me and Danny have, you know, butchered deer while they're in rigor before. So, like, can you, like, stretch out the muscle again? Nope. No? You can grind it. You can braise it. But, like, I, I mean, like, before you cut it. Like, when they're in rigor, like, I feel like... It, I feel it, like what I've done is, like, I... 
like they'll be locked up and you can like stretch that muscle and loosen it back up again before you cut if it. If the Does tendons that work? are still attached, you can let it rest, but that it's not going to What was your experience? Did it work for you? I mean I want to say like yes, but I don't I don't necessarily know yeah. like if I don't know, you know. <laughs> I mean, like I, I'm learning constantly, and you're always teaching me new stuff. It's, so, uh, and, and again, okay. So, so, let me. It's ask a case you. by case thing. Every animal is different, and every situation where that animal expired is going to be different. And every cut you may, I mean, it's a. There's a time frame, and it's very flexible. So let me ask you this: You shoot a deer. What like, before you had a processing situation before you had the ability to hang a deer up um in the cooler like how how did you handle that like if you if you were just every average joe out there hunting on public land like how long would you wait after you killed it before you skinned it out and butchered it i would i would be very sure of the shot placement that i made i would look for sign in the blood or the trail of what kind of actual evidence matched the what I thought I did and then go from there. So the average hunter in Florida again has more time than they think. It's a it's a case by case basis. And so when you say that you're talking about like you want to make sure it's not shot in the guts. You you want to make sure that the trail that deer is leaving or that whatever animal you shoot is leaving is not going to get up and run. So yeah, you want to you want to be able and tracking's a whole different but right. that's that's an important part in in recovery. If that animal expires peacefully, versus that animal expiring under stress, being chased by a dog, you're, you're going to have a whole different product in the end. Well, okay, so yeah, I get what you're saying, uh, but I mean more like once you have hands on the animal, like once once you've got it, like how long are you waiting before you butcher it? Me personally, yeah. If it was your deer, I got it. Leave it skin on for twenty eight days. But that's in the cooler, like in, oh, yeah, in yeah, your yeah, fridge. Yeah, so I'm saying when you don't have the ability to hang that deer um, up, I'm not stressing it a bit. Uh, if I can get a pe- bag of ice where the guts were, I've I'm not worried about it a bit. So like you, you would leave it just hanging for twenty four so, hours I, in the shade. Would that be? I, depending <laughs> on the the flies, yeah, the bears. We have a lot of those here, yeah. And we need to get the bear hunt back up and running. Well, like, and, and the reason I'm asking is because, like, you're saying, like, don't don't butcher your deer while it's in rigor, rigor mortis. But like, I feel like a lot of people don't really have much of an option. Well, they, get the guts out. If it's yeah. in rigor and the guts are in, get the guts out. Don't take it off. Don't cut the tendons that are keeping the muscle groups on the bone. That's where you're going to run into problems with edibility. So when you say that... Palatability, like, not edibility, palatability. That becomes a texture issue. So if you point. cut off the quarters, like obviously you're cutting some tendons, but most of the tendons are still intact, and you put that yeah, in the cooler. Absolutely, yeah. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Then... Yeah, it's then, just deep... And that's the problem we run in with... CWD and people de-bone. hunting across state lines and having to debone immediately. Uh, that's where right. I see it a lot. 
Okay, so I was misunderstanding what you were saying. So I'm glad we clarified that. Yeah, like actually, I thought you were I thought you were saying like don't cut anything off of the carcass until no, no, it's no, past no. regular mortis. Yeah, and so, I'm like, people don't have that option. No, so. it's just the major tendons, which are generally in the hams and the legs. Mm-hmm. Um Well, I'm glad we clarified yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'm, um my apologies again. It's it's uh, No, it's I mean this this is the point, right? Yeah. I'm learning and through learning you know, our listeners are learning too. More delicious food. Yeah, for real. Um, anyway, I, I've plugged your business enough times, but I'm just going to say one more time. If you guys are up here, I really advise you bring some game to him. He can do magical things. Let's get away from that, though. Um, God, what, what, what direction should we go with this podcast? We can talk about all kinds of things. You know, just. <laughs> I think that was supposed to be a gobble. You're doing it wrong. I think it's. <laughs> That's better. I don't know. I think I think maybe, I, I, I think he, maybe the listeners should like I let didn't us hear know. anything uh, out in the backyard, so I didn't think we'd eat. Yeah, either of us really nailed it. I, I want to know. Leave it in the comments. Who did a better gobble? Um, all right, so it's turkey season. Um, it's been going on for two weeks down south. What? Good segue. Was that a good segue? That was a good segue, right? Oh, he's he's complimenting me on my segue. I actually don't think that was a segue. I was just like, let's go in a different direction. But and, and then we gobbled, and it was a good segue, right? That's true. See? That's true. Yeah, it was pretty decent. Yeah, thanks, man. You know, I'm pretty new to this podcasting thing. Like, this is like the third or fourth episode. So, cool. um, anyway, so turkey season. Uh, you went out for to the Panther Refuge, right? Correct. For youth, like the opener youth season down Correct. south. So, like, tell me about that. Like, how did you get involved in that? Like, I didn't even know this was happening until you told me about it. But I know a bunch of um, people that I think a lot of people might know in this hunting community were there. Um, Nick Menken among them, I believe. Yeah, uh, he and, and I In were... case you guys are wondering who this Nick Menken character is that we're talking about, he is Swamp and Stomp's number one hater. Um but we recently buried the hatchet somewhere literally literally, bur- literally buried a hatchet exactly here in Adam's yard um so i guess like me and nick are like cool now so <laughs> anyway so so how did you like I, how, I how did a, this whole I got invite, a, uh, how did this happen message one day asking if i would come down there from chuck ashtonique um and uh, Future of Hunting in Florida. Okay. So they run FWC's hunting programs, and then the Isaac Walton Foundation, the Cypress chapter, um, That's, Mike Elfenbein. Yeah, right. Um, ended up in the panther pit. And it's, Did you see any panthers? Uh, we did not. We got one on camera just outside of camp. And then the blonde we were sitting in on Saturday morning, uh, Chuck saw mom and a cub on Sunday morning. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. So I just I just want to like backpedal for just a second. The Panther Refuge, it's kind of a big deal, right? Because we didn't. I think the first time, and I apologize, I don't have the details on on this, but I know that we haven't been able to hunt the panther refuge and and for those of you wondering this is over by fakahatchee strand it's um like southwest portion of big cypress area um this has been closed to hunting for 
decades, I believe. Uh, thir- 96? Yeah, a long time. Decades. That's, that's decades. It's 2023. And I will say the, the refuge manager was there, and she was very unhappy. I think that there was something going on. <laughs> but like Mike Elfenbein reminded us, it's not her. She just manages it. Yeah. It's our land, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's public land. and But, I mean, it, I think that's a huge win for, for the hunting community, for us to get that back, to be able to hunt there. And, you know, turkey hunting is a beginning, maybe. You know, we might get more access in the future. We'll see. But this is a... Probably not. Yeah, maybe not. But that said, this is a national wildlife refuge, right? Yes. And um, and so it's a it's a real privilege for us to be able to hunt there because you know I, I think a lot of people feel like these refuges are like land that was taken away from us so we're not allowed to hunt. But but as a biologist, as an ecologist, like I I have to say these refuges are actually really important for the well-being of our wildlife you know it it creates a safe haven for them to reproduce and then they sort of you know leak out of those refuges into the surrounding areas that we are allowed to hunt so um but to be able to have access to that area to be to hunt it for for turkeys is pretty sweet i mean i don't even know how many permits do they have for that area i believe it's 15 for adults and it's like four for youth on twenty six thousand acres yeah, it's, not, most, it's not a lot. Most of it's underwater yeah. most of the year. I mean, it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime permit, I feel oh, like. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely you know? is. A, it's a lottery ticket permit. Well, sure. and, and we have a few of those in, in Florida, some of these, like, once-in-a-lifetime NWR hunts. So, um, uh, anyway. A lot of Florida, despite what people think, is a once-in-a-lifetime hunt. Once you get outside of what people think Florida is— it's an experience that I, I most, agree. Most people, most people can't even. Yeah, I mean, fathom. it's like the other, like yesterday, I was, or was it? Yeah, yesterday, I was scouting and I was out on this piece of public land here, and like an airboat tour decided to come right through the roost that I was listening for gobblers, and like there was this, I don't know where this lady was from, but I come walking out of the woods towards the boat. You know, and this lady's like, oh, my God, hunting in Florida? I can't even imagine that. You know, like, people don't even, like, think that that's something we do down here. And that's part of the reason I love it so much. It's so different from anything else. Yeah. Uh, Coming here from growing up out west and living in Colorado for 25 years before I came here and and ended up in, in Palm Beach and then downtown Orlando working in in restaurants it was not what it, where i wanted to be yeah um, and then once i realized florida was a year-round grocery store if i just remembered my ability to get outdoors and once my daughter was old enough that i could actually you know yeah get outdoors it became that year-round grocery store and now we're uh well, and it's it's fu- it's funny it. you call it that the year-round grocery store, but it's true. Our season's longer than I think any other place. I mean, we South we Carolina's can, got a pretty long deer season. Yeah, but that's deer alone. Yeah, but you consider alone. all exactly. the things together. I mean, we're literally hunting from end of July until end of April. You know, we're, we're if we and then right, and then we still around. have 
And then we still have hog, like yeah. there's a few random like hog hunts at public land that Evasive are in the middle of the fish. off season. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's it's stuff year to year-round grocery store. There's, there's wild plants. Yeah. Fruits. I mean, it, like it, once I realized that, once I was old enough to where I didn't have to be watching my daughter the whole time and I could actually get outdoors with her. And Which, by the way, I, I know I said this earlier, but you've done an awesome job with her. She's a cool kid. Yeah, she's a pretty cool kid. She's pretty cool. She's cooler than you. Yeah, she's way cooler than me. She's got what the uh, <laughs> Death Metal Meditation Club, which if anybody knows Mark Barton or has hunted with him, he listens to Death Metal going to hunt, which is yeah. not, not exactly the, my choice of... That's uh, the way I get pumped up on my, my choice way to of the... tunes to get me in tune with nature, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it. It's apparently so... I love it, heart. man. Wakes, wakes me up. Yeah, man. Um, anyway, we're getting off on a tangent. Uh, Panther Refuge, youth hunt. How did it go? Did people kill birds? It was incredible. Um, just being able to get get through that gate that hasn't been open to the public in 35 years is a story in itself. Once we got in there, um, you know, you got to think these birds have been have been hunted. Not by, not by humans. We don't even know what people are. Not by humans, but they've been hunted. So they were they were they were pretty wary. Oh, by panthers. Yep. And bears, I guess. Yep. And then, so they would hop hop along the pine limbs to avoid hitting the ground off the roost. Wow. Um, That's new. But yeah, it's turkeys want to be turkeys this time of year, and they just got to strut and gobble, right? Yeah, just like every 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 Friday or Saturday night, some some young man's got to go strut and gobble. Yeah, and uh, you got to put yourself in the mentality of that that bird if you want to go out and see turkeys and kill turkeys. So, did anybody kill turkeys? Four for four. Really? Yeah. Oh, I I didn't know that. Like I hadn't even talked to you about this. Absolutely. Four in fact, for I four. didn't I didn't want to talk to you about it until we did this podcast. So. So four four youths, four birds. Four youths, four birds. And uh, go birds. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, who cares? All, right? excellent, all excellent birds. Um, kids were super happy. They learned how to call. They got the full experience of gobbles and struts. And this was coming in. It's not. And you know they. It, I wasn't in all the blinds, but. Um, the youth that I was with definitely got a good show. We had one hang up at 90 yards that did the uh, did the pinwheel and gobbled his head off. And then we had a younger Jake come in and turn tail and run. He, they, they all saw something they did not like, but they heard something they liked. Yeah. And so that's when we tr- decided to change things up a little bit and just keep keep them hearing what they liked. And eventually... Just patience, patience kills birds. They're I mean, they're curious creatures, and they're going to come looking for. If you're throwing out the good sounds, they're going to come looking. I mean, I think it's awesome that you know you guys did that. Like, I I wish that I had the opportunity, even you know, because I grew up in Europe. Like, I didn't have the opportunity to do this kind of stuff when I was growing up. But like, to have somebody teach me, show me how to hunt when I was a kid like I feel like it would have changed my life because when I when I eventually did 
get into hunting like it it did change my life it just happened at a much later age so but so anyway i i guess i I guess i'm just saying like thank you for for putting in the time with these youths i know you're going out like tomorrow to hunt with the youth is that right yeah absolutely you know so like i I love talking turkey just as much and and seeing you appreciate the north american model of wildlife conservation what we have here public land we're blessed to be able to yeah. to actually go out our back door and launch a boat and go on the river and be able to do what do what we want to do and then i feel like that's something that so many people in our hunting community do not really appreciate and like i have i have a different appreciation of that just because of the fact that i didn't i didn't grow up here like like i'm american i was born here but i i moved to europe at a very early age and eventually came back but i've seen what it's like when this is taken away from you you know like and and people over there don't even have a clue like i didn't have a clue when i lived there either like i didn't realize that i didn't have this this freedom to to go out and hunt and it wasn't until i moved back here that i was like oh crap like and and it's interesting you you mentioned moving back to florida because i grew up out west in colorado where it's all almost all publicly yeah and there's p- no people for miles or well, there but, was in the 80s and 90s but like in, and then i moved to florida and like a buddy of mine's like oh no there's there's nine millions eight nine million acres of public land yeah i think 11 percent of florida 11 percent of florida i think is public land and it wasn't until i realized that yes it is I mean, something it's, that it's not like colorado but there's still a lot of access here there's a ton of access and yeah. it's great access and it is a year-round grocery store i have when and realistically tasted more delicious things and seen more amazing bioluminescence yeah you don't have that in colorado nope and <laughs> just but like the set walking into the woods for the first time here and so i moved here and I met a guy, and he's like, oh, you are tree hunting. I'm like, yep. He's like, go here. He sent me to Lake Monroe. I shouldn't say that in public, but he's like, go here. I'm not editing it out. But, like, if we were playing the normal podcast game, you'd have to put $5 in the jar right now for naming a spot. All right, well, whatever. He's like, walk <laughs> out to the floodplain. And I did it. And I called him. He's like, you actually did that? You really walked all the way. I'm like, you told me to do it, right? You told me that's where the fucking game was. I said, yeah, we're That's okay. This uh, is a podcast. Well, Nobody yeah. gives a fucking shit. Uh, but, and he's like, holy shit. You, you actually, I'm like, yeah, well, that's. You're actually insane. Yeah. Yeah. And but I was like, you- yeah, I saw deer. And he's like, well, all right, well, now we'll take you hunting. <laughs> So he basically was, was like, like oh, a, another was like person, mo- another person moving to Florida, probably yeah. can't hack it. Yeah. He's like, damn. This dude actually does it. And, and so, yeah. and he started, and then he brought me a bunch of ducks, so we made a bunch of sausage, and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, crap, there was, a, there was a tangent I wanted to go on just a minute ago. I forgot what the hell we were talking about. The, uh, the, your former aquarium that you have in your arm right now no because i just saw you stretch out your right arm no we don't need to talk point, about we don't need to talk about the that. sunset we don't need to talk about that um no uh backtrack turkeys um 
I, I, I don't. I don't remember what the hell we were talking about. How how pissed off you are at them? I just want to shoot one in the head. Yeah, man. So like, sure. Let's get into turkeys, man. Like, okay. Let me ask you this: How many turkeys have you killed in your life, or, or not even killed? But how many have you like called in ballpark? It. I feel like it's it's a fair ballpark number. Ballpark called in. I feel Dozens. Like really? Yeah. Holy crap, man! Like, called in, killed, not me. Like. Like, I, I kind of got that just from talking to you. Like, I mean, it, it seems like you understand turkeys in a way that I don't understand them. Like, well, we had them as pets. Well, yeah, I guess that helps. But so, it's a language. So, Hands are always walking around saying something. So, ju- just to put this into perspective for people that are listening, I, Mark Barton of Swamp and Stomp, has never killed a turkey. I've tried for like I think this is my fourth season now. I've been I've been putting in the effort and like uh, Richard Martinez can vouch for that. He's been out with me and like he will tell you that I am the most unlucky turkey hunter in the world. Like he will go to places with me and he won't hear a single gobble when he goes there by himself. They're gobbling their heads off and like it's his uh what does he call it? He's <clears throat> his hearing is his superpower. Yeah, Hearing like gobbles is his yeah superpower. Be able to locate them. Oh no, it absolutely is. I remember the first time I went and hunted with him. Like it's we're right st- we're standing there, and he goes, he points off in a dr- he's like, gobble, right and I'm like, what? I didn't hear anything, <laughs> and he's like, right right hey, there. Listen, and kids, then, this is your public service announcement. Protect your hearing. Yeah, protect your hearing at all costs. Don't do what I did, which is played in a metal band for. You know, most of college or work and like with explosives my... and gunshots and yeah. everything else. Like, Just pr- kids, protect your hearing. I haven't been good to my ears, um, and and now I'm paying for it because I mean, literally, he was like, "There's a gobble over there," and I was like, "I don't hear anything." And it wasn't until we like, like, till he stopped me and he's like, "Put your hands up to your ears." And then I'm like, "Oh crap!" I would love There's to be able to hear my there. wife in the same room as me, but I would really love to be able be able to hear a gobble 300 yards away. You can hear him further than that, man. That's got that. That man has a gift. Anyway, uh, really quick sum up of my turkey career. Um, for so again, nobody ever took me turkey hunting, so I didn't have anybody to really teach me. First year that I went, I did not realize that turkeys sound way further away than they are. Like when they're on the when they're on the roost, they sound further than they are. Depends. So I know they definitely do. Like it, it blows my mind every time. Like I'll hear one, I'll start going in, and I'm like, oh, like he's like 300 yards away, and I'll keep going, and then your hearing really is bad. And then he's, and then he went quiet, and I'm like, why did he stop gobbling? And it's probably because I'm like standing right under him. So that was my first year. I, um, I, I got relatively close to some birds. I thought I was. 100 yards away I was probably 50 yards away and they were right on the other side of palmetto like bush and and then they probably saw me and took off and game over did that several times uh the next year I got pretty close with Richard for those of you who are wondering who Richard is um, I feel like most of you probably already know but he is the what is his position in BHA? I don't even know what our titles are. El Presidente. Are. He's the president. El Presidente. Do we call it a president? 
that we call him El Presidente. He's in South Florida. Right? He is. He is the El the Presidente. South he Florida. Is, he is the leader of our Florida chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I am the South Florida chair. Turkey whisperer. And what are you? R three chair. You're the R three chair. That's right. So anyway, um, but that said, Richard Martinez is a turkey, turkey slayer. I think four years in a row now he's tagged out in the first two days. Like, or the first two hunts. I can neither, I guess conf- I, I think- I can neither confirm nor deny any allegations against Richard <laughs> Martinez. As c- he is the turkey whisperer. Turkey like, but anyway, so I went out with him a couple times. I'll go on that, record. That second year. Last year, I also went out with him. We, again, just had turkeys run circles around us. This year has not gone great for me so far. I had one opening morning just gobbling his head off, but he went the other direction, and I couldn't catch up. But I have high hopes for this hunt on the WMA close to here that I'm going to be hunting next week. So you fingers should, you crossed. You should think about turkey oysters. There's yeah, during no, your hunt. I, like I will. Have much success. That might just like summon a turkey, but like hopefully. Turkey oyster confit. Hopefully next week we're going to be sitting right here at the same exact spot talking about my first turkey kill. Next week I'm going to be in Montana. Oh yeah, you're going to be at rendezvous, mm-hmm. um, talking to lobbyists from backcountry hunters and anglers tell no, them I will about be, I, I am not a politician I am a cook All right, I, just but cook, you might, I just cook for politicians yeah you cook for them and then while you serve them food you're like make sure that you know the president knows about this and this so that we get this and this in Florida right well, that's hey, what, that's you, what know, you do hey, what I do is I cook for politicians and then whisper and, uh, things in their ears I don't have to whisper things in their ears I just cook for them Okay. Look them in the eye and shake their hands and say, listen. You better make Florida look good. Yeah, we need this. Yeah, we really do. what I do. We're shaking hands right now because you guys are wondering. I'm looking in the eye because this is exactly what we do. If I'm going to shake hands with somebody, I'm going to look them in the eye. I'm like, I'm going to keep my word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, rendezvous. At the very least. So so you're heading to rendezvous, but let's turkey talk. What? um, Because... Because I want to keep this under an hour, and we're at fifty-four minutes, so we got six minutes to wrap this up. Um, we haven't talk, talk, started talking about curing meat yet. We didn't. We no. talked about aging meat. We t- yeah, we, uh, All right, I guess this might. We can go a little longer than an hour. No, we're good. So, you, you, in my mind, are a small game hunter. Like you hunt big game too, but you love small game, right? Like you hunt squirrels, like. I just love working my dogs. Right. I, that makes sense. I don't have a dog to do that stuff. So Shotguns and dogs. So, we're talking turkeys. What about turkey hunting is so exciting for you? Uh, communication. The, uh, the, the, the intimacy that is evolved with the sunrise and the fly down and just that that spring feeling that you get from these gobblers that they're so fired up they're like they're like me when i was a teen not a teenager but a college kid right i was a late bloomer right so like when you describe it like that i'm like god that sounds amazing like i feel like i just i've never really experienced the full like turkey hunting experience that everybody talks about you know like and that's why like that's honestly the reason i keep 
trying is because like so many people have told me about how awesome it is when a turkey comes in like gobbling and just strutting and like pissed off strutting and, like, drumming hung up yeah, and you're like, just trying to get him so like the natural instinct is he, he expects you to come to him mm-hmm. and you're trying to reverse that yeah you're trying to reverse all of nature's instinct and like no you're coming to me yeah, like bitch, don't. You, and it's it is like the, you playing hard to get. And you're like, that's why the the running gun turkey hunt for me is like sitting in a deer stand, setting the saddles cool. If I was a young man, but now I just want to get up and like. Well, yeah, because I want to. I want to archery elk hunt again. I want to run and gun for turkeys. Well, and that, that's the thing is like dog. when you're when you're deer hunting, you're sitting in a tree stand or a saddle or something like. You're trying to catch them off guard. You're trying to catch them not knowing what's happening. It's ambush like, hunting. Exactly. It's an ambush. But with a turkey, it's different. You're like It is an intimate You're dance. actually like you're you're not trying to have them come through without knowing what's happening. You're actually trying to trick them, Alert them. into believing something else is happening than what is actually happening. So it's a very different game. Let's dance. Yeah, and, it, and it's, I feel like, like you said, same thing with elk, you know. It's the same kind of game, but, like, just it, it bigger is, scale. It um, is. It's the kind of relationship I want to have with the world around me. It's I want you to know I'm here, and I want you to... Dance in front of me, and then realize, I'll shoot you in the face. Realize that we're... It's that it's the beauty. And when you dance in front of me, I'm, I'm going to put you on a plate where you dance in front of people even after death. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's no, the I truth. mean, like, it's, it, it, it's the truth. It's kind of beautiful and slightly cheesy, but like still beautiful. It's the truth. Yeah, man. I, I, so they, you've seen them strut and drum, and I've never do their heard thing. drumming. I've never heard the drumming. That's what they need to do on the plate too. So when you're eating wild game, what you see them do in the wild should be represented when you eat them too. It's 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 honoring that life you took. True. No, I I and I mean I don't know if I would put it in the same words, but I agree one hundred percent that like, um, we need to honor their life. We took it. It's a big deal. Like people, a lot of I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh yeah, I killed this thing. Like, save like, your turkey legs. It's like and your gizzards honor, and your hearts honor, and your livers. Honor the dead. Honor your harvest. Like eat everything make sure that their life didn't go to waste you know and that's something that i harp on a lot and, and not everybody necessarily agrees with it but it's something i i, I feel strongly and, and, about and honestly if you don't know how and don't have the skills it's out there it's not that hard to look up yeah you could um you know one option is like look up swamp and stomp the youtube channel there's a lot of information there. Never heard of them, Mark. Who are they? Where are <laughs> yeah, they from? There's just these like random dudes in Florida. That Some decided, random dudes in South Florida that are like. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, I'm. I got an idea. I'm gonna start a channel and just show people how I hunt." And then like all these other people were like, "Whoa, this is cool," because like nobody else is doing this. And before we knew it, like people were like this is a great channel and we were like holy crap we should probably keep doing it and yeah, i got a couple of microphones on my back porch. yeah and then it like and then it evolved and now we have a podcast it evolved or devolved it evolved <laughs> we now we have a podcast we have a camo like apparel company which by the way 
If you guys want some camo that's specifically designed for uh, the Elevated Hunter, go check out our website. It's swampandstompllc.com. Uh, we have a camo that we call High Pine, and it, like I said, it's designed for the Elevated Hunter. It has the sky in the background, and Nick Menken is not a fan. Is that high as a Georgia Pine? What? Is that high as a Georgia Pine? I don't even, what? A Georgia Pine? Yeah. How high is it high a Georgia Pine? How high is a Georgia pine? I don't know. Are Florida pines high? I feel like Florida pines are taller. There, we have some ridiculously tall pines out here. But anyway, the point of it is, like, if you're hunting in a spot where you're kind of skylined, it is beautiful. Um, go ahead, do what you got to do. Okay. Anyway. I'm, en- uh, I'm enjoying sitting, <laughs> seeing you on my back porch. I know, man. Just, it's, it's a good time. It's you know, always a good time. We're like, what are we going to talk about? How is this going to work out? Dude, I already told you. We didn't and have to have a plan. Just, we don't have to have a plan. We'll we don't have to have a chat. plan. Like, we just sit here and chat and catch up. Like, you guys are literally just listening to me and Adam catch up, you know, for the first time in a couple of months. Like, it's always a good time when we hang out. Um, anyway, uh, I feel like we, we, like, lost our direction here. Um, here. Hey, I, I have a little direction for you. Let's do a sound check on the... Dude, it's way better with these dampers under there. That was the cork drop. Yeah, that was the, the cork of the um, whiskey bottle dropping. And now there's whiskey everywhere. It's all right. It's good whiskey, though. It's good whiskey. Larceny. Uh, if anybody's looking for a good bottle, no, it's, what, it's what called I, Larceny. What I really appreciate is the fact that... Uh, Mark was like, you don't have to have, you, like, you got a bunch of oaks, oaks down in the backyard. We could toast some oak chips. I'm like, I have to have a bag of toasted French oak chips sitting within yeah, arm's like length we, right we literally made an old-fashioned out of, like, nothing, and it was, so like. you have fruit? I'm like, yep. Oh, I have bourbon cherries from a that was, dinner I mean, that was a great ago. old-fashioned, man. That's an right. excellent. F- cheers, my friend. Yeah, cheers. Good. Good All right, deal. so, um. What the hell are we talking about? We're 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 talking about uh, how Florida is a year-round grocery store and uh, no, turkey we were season. Talking, we were talking about turkeys and how much I freaking hate them and like that my hunt for turkeys now no longer revolves around loving turkey hunting, but it revolves around hating turkeys. Yeah, if you hate if you hate things, you're never gonna you're never gonna get it. Always love. No, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I thoroughly enjoy being out there. I love more than anything. I love scouting. Like I. I what think a, I think scouting. What a Central Florida day today! Like right? I think I think scouting like is weather? something that's so overlooked by by Florida hunters because it's hot and miserable sometimes. But man, but, I I just love cruising around the woods and like just looking well, and, for signs. And you mentioned small game. Yeah, Sm- yeah, we were talking about small game. Small game is the if you want to be a big game hunter, it's, be a woodsman. It's a scouting. Go season. out for small game. Yeah, like the be amount of woodsman. squirrels I could have shot today. Oh my god! Right? And what what. What do squirrels do? They lead you to food sources. And what do food sources mean? Other animals. Yep. And so once you get to learn the animals and plants and how they interact with the environment, be a small game hunter. If you want to be a big game hunter, be a woodsman. And being a woodsman or a person means being a small game hunter. hunter. No, you're absolutely right. And and I think part of the reason that you're so big into small game is because you're just so damn busy. You don't have the time to go out and big game hunt when i do a big game hunt i know exactly what he is yeah because you've been out there small game hunting you know it's small game hunting is a good way to be productive with 
uh, limited amounts of time. And you're uh, you're working. You have a PhD. Or you're working a PhD. I do have a PhD. Yeah. So it, what I've always heard of PhD is learning more and more about less and less. It's absolutely right. Like, that's exactly what the woods are. You find your spot that's closest to your house, and you learn more and more about less and less. Learn about the plants, how they interact with I each mean, other. I mean, I disagree with that theory. Like, I mean, for you, I think it makes sense because you're you're so darn busy. And and you know, living here in Central Florida, you have so much public land around you. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> you find the spots that that work for you, and you focus on them. But me personally, like, just because I I think it's just because we really like to bow hunt me and danny like we just travel from the south end of florida to the north end of florida chasing bow hunting season <clears throat> you travel to central florida because the hunting here is pretty good no i mean don't get me wrong i like hunting in central florida but there's places in south florida that are just as good yeah. if not better mm-hmm. than some of the places we hunt up here and we'll go as far as the panhandle to hunt as well like we really enjoy hunting like i mean it's such an amazing state you know like it, you can hunt we got the latitude Right, Dude, so we got the whole like, all different kinds of environments. It's totally different, and like I find it so funny. People will post like a picture on yeah. Facebook, and I look We're at it. We're long and, I, and skinny. Yeah, I I look at the pictures on Facebook. People post. I'm like, that looks like this LBMA, and they're like, how the heck did you know that? And it's like, man, like we just have so much variety man. in the habitat in florida it's crazy and so it's really fun to me like i said i love scouting i love exploring new habitat we have like truck it'd be nice we have so many different types of habitat that we can explore in florida and hunt yeah it's it's amazing it it really truly and a lot of it's public there's a lot of public land here and and don't get me wrong i like going up north too like i was in kansas last week shed hunting um which didn't go as planned I found one broken piece of a very large antler, um, but I saw a really big buck that was still, unfortunately, holding its antlers. I had expected mid-March they would all have dropped by then, but apparently this spot I was in, they were all still holding antlers. I talked to a local hunter. He's like, yeah, my camera is all the deer still holding antlers. So that was a little unfortunate, but I got to explore a new place that one day I'm definitely going to go hunt. Um, yeah, so and that's but, that's uh, that's a lot of it is exploring new places. That's my favorite thing. Has in the world. kept and given life circumstances of my age, I'm not able to explore like I used to. But I'm able to go out and do things as a working person that I wasn't able to have access to before. Yeah. So that's that's really exciting. But you got to keep in mind you're. Your credibility as a wild game processor is dependent on your ability to kill things. So, no, it's not dependent on my ability to kill things. I mean, my I, ability as I, I a domestic game processor is dependent I mean, on my ability to efficiently kill things. I don't know, man. I feel like if anybody's going to bring you wild game, they need to know that you know how to handle wild game. And but you know, it doesn't matter because I think your track record speaks for itself. You've killed or called in. Up to a thousand turkeys or whatever. No, you just said dozens of turkeys. I thought you just said a thousand turkeys. I didn't say a thousand turkeys. Mark Parton. We have this recorded. I can go back and listen. I said dozens. Oh well, I misunderstood. Thousands. I've I've definitely processed thousands of animals. I heard up to a thousand turkeys. I was like, holy crap, this guy's a turkey slayer. Dozens. Now I I feel like I'm talking to a fraud. Dozens. 
No, I mean that's still hell. That's a hell of a lot more than me. Uh, um, and and frankly, like I feel like I have a fair amount of experience with turkeys, and I've never even killed one at this point. Like I've I've had close encounters with so many. I feel like I've learned. So, that's what it's all about: is close encounters. Is you want to be able to. And what what really sealed it for me was having turkeys as pets and seeing the interaction that the hens like hens are always talking gobblers are always showing off and gobblers are always showing off (laughs) not always sometimes gobblers are just like sitting back waiting waiting for the other gobbler to show off and then they go beat his ass they go beat his ass So so you gotta think like you really have to put yourself in a teenage like grease yeah, like, like I mean, because realistically, like they're not old. Like the oldest gobbler you're ever going to run into is probably yeah, old. three, four, five is going to be like yeah. an ancient gobbler. So like, yeah. you know, they're just horny young. They engage like, in behavior that we have all engaged in before. Yeah, and it's so. Speaking of showing, it's off, unpredictable at best, but it's 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 the same behavior. Speaking of showing off let's get into uh curing meat oh boy. you can show off your meat curing skills a little bit i'm giving you like 12 minutes and then we're gonna end this podcast give me 12 minutes uh i have an hour two days one hour yeah you're talking day. about this at speaking rendezvous. at rendezvous so i have a solo so you have two full hours two full on hours on different days meat. on curing meats so, so i, I challenge I... you to try and summarize that into i'm going to give you 10 minutes because then yeah. we can sum it up so give me uh think about he's going to start talking really fast now nope give me eight questions one of the, the hot list like I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I don't know anything about curing meat. But salt I've had, is the most important ingredient you can ever have. But I've had salt, so much time, of your temperature, stuff humidity. that I'm like, those are your friends, your enemies, bacteria, time, water. All right, I got one for you. Let's say somebody in that's listening to this wants to try curing some meat, first time ever. Now you have many different things that you do. They can always bring their meat to you, and you can do some magical things. But let's say somebody wants to get into it and try something. I'm new. trying to retire. I would love to work people. I would love to work myself out. Sorry, I would love to teach myself out of a job. Okay, cool. So teach people here the simplest curing of meat that they could try with their wild game. Equilibrium cure. Get yourself a scale. Learn the metric system. salt, 0.25% cure number one, which is sodium nitrite, and 1.5% sugar. This is bacon. You gave gave me this recipe. This is any meat. And I've done this. One day per quarter inch of thickness plus two days on the end. Yeah, I didn't didn't listen to that part. I just – so I did this uh, with the copper – I'm not a scientist. Copa? Is it Copa or Copa? Copa. Capicola. Yeah. So the, the like, cheek and, like, outside That's of the That's different. Neck. That's a jowl. That's guanciale. Oh, what's so the, the Copa capicola, again? The Capicola. So capo, head, cola, collar, shoulder. So it's like so the, it's a muscle between the head and the shoulder. 
Yeah. So like your guanciale the neck... is the jowl muscle that yeah. hangs down from the cheek of the pig. Yeah. So, well, I just took it all off in one piece. Like, I just went down. Like, so basically from, like... Do that again. Well, no, so... Do that again. That, like... that looked pretty hot. <laughs> oh, yeah, my God. Dude. So, the jowls... Uh, if you ever shoot a hog that has a good amount of fat on it, take the jowls off, and then the, like, basically, like, the... It's like the what I could only describe as the fillet of the neck. It's like filleting a fish, but the neck, right? And then like a little bit of of the meat that's like the first few ribs. Like an like like a tuna. There's like four quadrants of yeah, or a gator tail. But, but you four get what quadrants. I, you get yeah. what I'm saying when I say like filleting the neck. Like mm-hmm. imagine it's a fish. You're like filleting along the spines there. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? I do. So get a it, good flexible boning knife. Yeah. That's what that's the one tool you need. I mean it it'll be really obvious which part we're talking about because it has so much fat. Like it's it's the fatty part. So but I, I would also I would argue and I don't know cuz you're the master of this stuff but like you can really just do this with any fatty part of meat, right? Um I wouldn't say any fatty part. There's different kinds of fat on an animal. There's hard fat, and there's soft fat, and that's a totally different conversation. A wild game mostly does not have the hard fat that that lends itself to... Uh, and when you say hard, it's like when it when it gets cold, it like almost crumbles apart. Uh, when, I, when I say hard, it, it, it's almost like cartilage, but it's, oh. it's fat. Okay. It's the... Show pieces of meat you see in the cured, dry cured stuff that those big square chunks of fat. Oh, okay. That's the hard fat. Okay. So the high, the expression high on the hog. So is that desirable? The hard fat, well, or not desirable? It's it's extremely desirable for certain applications. Okay. It's a matter of of knowing how to like everything but the oink, right? The expression on a hog is you can use everything but the oink. Oh. And it's all going to be good as long as you know how to use it. Yeah. I so mean, there's hard fat and there's soft fat. Like, I'll, I'll say this. Like, I saw a post that you put on Facebook, and it was something about, like, jowl bacon. And I was like, I just shot this fat-ass pig. Like, this, it, she was so fatty. I was like, I need to make bacon out of this thing. And I asked you, I was like, how do I make bacon out of these jowls? And you told me, cut the jowls out, cut the copper out, and I did, and you gave me that exact recipe that you oh, just said. Simple as shit. And I was just astounded at how delicious this was. And in fact, it it has a flavor to it that I, and I think I told you this, when I, when I was growing up in Europe, at the grocery store called Albertain, which is like our standard- Albertsons? Albertine, not Albertsons. It's like almost Albertsons. <laughs> no, not it's like quite. the Dutch version of Albertsons. Sure, but anyway, Alberton. they had this um, this sausage, which I think you're familiar with, called fouet. Oh yeah, and it's I think it's a Spanish sausage. Oh yeah, 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 Spanish. Yeah, and so this sausage, fouet. I used to buy it all the time, and it has this like flavor that I honestly I've never tasted again anywhere else. Until I made this bacon with wild hog. And, I mean, when I say it's 
freaking decadent. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, this stuff is so good. And and I want you to try and think of, like, for those of you listening, if you guys want to try this, like, get the idea of, like, American fatty ass, like, bacon from the store out of your head because that's not what you're going to get. It's going to be more like Canadian bacon in terms of the amount of fat, but the flavor from that fat, Adam disagrees. He's making faces. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole term Canadian bacon just had me... Like, Canadian bacon to me is just like, it doesn't have as much fat to it. What makes it Canadian? I don't know. Like, in my mind, it's just like there's more meat than there is fat, whereas American-style bacon is like a lot of fat. Well, it's a different cut of meat. Is it? Canadian bacon comes from the loin. Okay, fine. The loin, not the tenderloin. Go right, back to the other right. conversation. So and the, American bacon comes from the belly. Irish bacon comes from the loin and part of the belly. Right. So, so we, can, we can talk about bacon for another hour. No, podcast no, 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 that's fine. So, okay, so, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, but like, so l- let's just imagine that it came from the same place as American bacon, but it has the same fat content as Canadian bacon. Would you agree with that? Like, because it's wild game, it doesn't the have jowl? as much fat. Well, the jowl has more fat, but, like, the copa has oh, a little less. Oh, uh, yeah. ca- the copa is, just, like... It doesn't have as much fat. Like it, the, It's the intra- and intermuscular fat on that muscle. So the capicola had to... It ha- has, like, had little to specks of fat through it, right? It, so uh, a pig sits there and roots around all day. And you guys can't see this, but Mark can see the <laughs> Adam motion. Adam is rooting. He is... The motion my neck is making... That's He's what rooting. makes it, it's it, like, m- muscles that get worked are interesting in flavor. Muscles that don't get worked are tender in texture. So when you have a flavorful worked muscle that also has a lot of fat running through it because it's just in the right place, it is the muscle that you want to use for all of the delicious things. You get the balance of flavor, texture, and fat. And in a pig, it's the, like, look what it does all day. I, I love listening to Adam talk so, about so meat. So what is it? It's that me. muscle. The, the head, capo, capo, head, cola, collar. I, I get what you're saying. But the, the point I was trying to make is it doesn't have the fat content you would expect from store-bought bacon is basically what I was getting at. Sometimes store it depends. Well, I mean, it, I guess it could, but I'm talking about a wild pig here. Like, it, de- it, yeah, it depends. Okay, it so maybe really, they could have that really much fat. Does. I've seen some. I've seen some. All right. Well, let me put it this way then: the ones I've done this with, and I've done this with two different pigs now. The ones I've done it with, they didn't have a ton of fat, but enough fat, and they have this like incredible flavor, that's like unlike anything you've ever tasted, and. Because they work for a living. Yeah. Yeah, no, they Those do. Those muscles and, worked, and that's what provides so, flavor in a muscle. So what I did is I used your recipe, um, and I did it for 10 days. I cured for 10 days. And I just, like, like literally, you know those, like, bamboo, like, dim sum, like, trays that you put on top of a pan to, like, steam stuff with? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So I have some of those just because I have a pan that like allows me to dim sum some stuff up can, can you say that again dim sum some stuff up one more time 
dim sum some stuff up. Yeah, boy. Anyway, so I um I put it in there and I you know I well I rubbed it down with the the dry rub which is basically the curing solution. And I put it in there, and I just flip it every day. No, you're good, man. Make a bunch of noise. I flip it one, 24, every 24 hours. I flip it over just so that, like, it, it, you know, like, gets air exposed to it. And I leave it in the fridge. And I did it for 10 days. And, I mean, the result is phenomenal. And, and the only reason I'm summarizing this is simply because other people, just like me, don't have the ability to, like, do this in fancy, you know, locations or fridges that are specifically like kept at the perfect temperature for curing i did this in just a regular ass fridge and it came out phenomenal and, you may continue on and, your story but, now but before i lived here i lived in an apartment right by disney world on the third floor and people brought me ducks and i plucked their fucking feathers and they flew down freaking I got, feathers i got complaints People complained, but I made good sausage, and so they stopped complaining. What was the point of that story? Uh, make good sausage, like use the best. Like, <laughs> okay, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what the point of that story was. I think what? you were just trying to show off that you know how to work with meat. No, I wasn't trying to show off anything. Well, we were talking about curing meat. Let's get back to curing. We were talking meat. about curing meat. And we're talking about, you were talking about, like, you don't have the accessories. So you were talking about, like, the simplest well, no, recipe. no, you were saying you, if you don't have this, you don't have that. Yeah. Like, where I started was. Oh, okay, you're right. In, in I a, missed your segue. third-story apartment. I missed your segue. That's got all a divorce. Yeah. And had a, like, nine-month-old daughter. Yeah. And. Remarried to a wonderful woman. Many well, that years came, later. That came but, later, though. You know, ended up in a third-floor apartment with a nine-month-old daughter and wanted to try hunting. I wanted to try hunting. I wanted to get back into hunting and started archery hunting, ironically, right by where I live now. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I got guy dropped off a whole bunch of ducks. He's like, what are you going to do with these? I'm like, I'll make you a sausage. Okay. The story, the story comes full circle now. Now it makes All more right, sense. See? But so I try. So we were I try, Mark Bart. <laughs> so we were talking about your uh, your simple curing recipe that people can try at home. And I think we I honestly I kind of think we just like finished talking about that because I I talked about how I tried it, and and I think people could just follow. Well, we the had same a uh, that I did. We did the uh, harvesting nature wild hog camps, and one of the biggest takeaways for me was three people came back and they all brought other people and then one of the persons that came back brought he's like I brought a ham from elk I killed with your recipe he brought a bunch of his wild harvested honey oh that's awesome yeah so having like being able to teach these people and they come back for another class and they bring stuff that we taught in the recipes we're so excited isn't that the craziest thing man like it it was pretty humbling that's exactly the word i use like i get the same thing all the time with swamp and stomp like people come up to me in the woods and they're like oh like i i started hunting again because of your channel or like i you know i didn't think i'd ever hunt in florida because i'm from midwest but watching your channel like i wanted to try it and like 
I mean, that's just like such a humbling experience. Like we never did it for recognition. We just started it because we just wanted to share what we do. And it's so cool for people to get something out of something you're doing just because you love it. You know, I just want to be able to sit on my back porch with you, have some bacon smoking on the smoker drink some have, bourbon have a pond drink some bourbon this is it like yeah this is the life it's man. a lifestyle we're living a good life right now it is and it's always been living a good lifestyle doing good work for solid people and and respecting respecting the natural world which is the most important part it's agreed I mean we, we take from it we have to give back and it's a it's a it's a reciprocity and we love it man like it's such an important part of my life and and yours too i mean you've built a living off of it you know so anyway i think we're um i think we're we're getting to that point where this podcast is starting to get a little bit too long so do you do you have any closing remarks i think we got to wrap it up salt is the most powerful thing. I was hoping you were just going to leave it at salt. <laughs> you will ever experience. Salt is the most most powerful thing. Yeah, we can't make it ourselves, but we need it. Yeah. That's my take-home message from this podcast, man. Um, you want to hear some really cool stuff? So this little podcast doodad thing that I have here, it's got really cool sound effects. And I feel like people that listen to our podcast are probably getting tired of hearing this, but like, check this out. You ready? You ready? Yeah. You ready? I need to figure out how to like work that into podcasts more subtly, but like, isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool. There's another one here. Hey, I like that one better. Yeah, sure. And then like, tell me a joke real quick. Um, like a dad joke. I need Dave Valentine in my life. Wait, what? I need Dave Valentine in my life. The what? Uh, Valentine? Yeah. Who? I need Jay Valentine in my life. Who's that? He's got all the dad jokes. Oh. Just just throw out like a stupid joke. What do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhino? What? Elephino. Oh, wait. <laughs> Isn't that great? Sure. All right. Anyway, we're, we're devolving real quick. So we're going to end this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate y'all. Um, if you guys want to support the podcast, uh, check out our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash swamp and stomp. And please go and check out our YouTube channel and subscribe. We have all kinds of awesome Florida hunts that we show everything that happens while we are hunting. And again, that is swamp and stomp. And go check out our sponsors, Wood Hunting Saddles and JX3 Hybrid Saddles. They're pretty sweet. And uh, he's trying to get me to hunt in a saddle. Well, too old to hunt in deer stand anymore. They're, they're sweet. They're our, awesome. Our, they're our, so comfortable. Our man. saddles good for old people like us. So good. In fact, really? so many people have told me like that they have like back problems and they couldn't sit in a tree stand for a while. But then when they sat in a saddle, it like changed the game. So okay. now I mean, saddles are comfortable. And if you guys want to learn about saddles, um, we are going to be hosting a saddle hunting workshop and. Uh, to allow you to try sort of hunting out of a saddle, we have a 3D archery shoot from a saddle, and that's going to be June 17th. The details of it will be on our Facebook page in the events section. 
the details are not up yet so but just make sure you get on facebook follow us on um the there is actually a facebook group and a facebook page follow them both we will put the information there when we are damn good and ready we don't have the I think details actually, yet uh, we're doing a little youth archery event uh in april right are we oh at the expo yeah yeah, well, it's not I mean, even—it's not even necessarily a youth thing. So, if you guys are uh, wanting to try out archery, I mean, come to the South. It's not the South. It's the Florida Outdoor Expo. This is a really awesome um, expo. It's a uh, um, just. There may or may not be snacks. There will definitely be snacks uh, that Adam's going to put together, hopefully. But um, this is a, a, a Florida-based. Um, expo there's lots of different companies that come and show off all of their gear we're going to be there selling our camo bha is going to be there and bha is going to have a try archery booth where you can come and you can try archery for free um and i mean there's so many things going on it's a really good time so hopefully you guys will come out say hi to us it is april 21st to the 23rd adam's going to be there i'm going to be there and we really hope that you guys can come and say hey. So, I think there's a website. Hey. <laughs> there is a website. I don't know exactly what it is right now, but if you Google Florida Outdoor Expo, you will find it. So, please check it out. Buy your tickets, and we'll see you guys there. And that's all I got for you guys on this episode. Adam, do you have any closing remarks? Salt. Just salt. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't be salty. Just use salt. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace out, guys.